Are you a fan of the Wonder Woman film directed by Patty Jenkins? can share your love for the movie by contributing to a special retrospective episode of the Justice League Universe podcast. The JLU podcast wants to hear about your favorite part of Wonder Woman. It could be a favorite scene, a favorite character, a creative decision that you really appreciated, or any other element of the film that really resonated with you. Think about your favorite part and why it is meaningful to you. Then submit it to jlupodcast at gmail.com by Monday, September 10th. You can send it as written text, which will be read aloud on the episode, or you can send an audio file up to three minutes in length. Let's come together and express our appreciation of this groundbreaking entry in the DC Films canon. Lois Lane joins the Arrowverse. The CW announces crossover dates. And we shine a spotlight on Guardian. This This is Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to shine a character spotlight on Guardian because we uh, didn't do it when he became Guardian. So we're just playing a little catch up (laughs) now, but we're going to do it. That was on us. (laughs) Yes, but it seems like a good time to maybe do it before season four gets started. Uh, So we are going to do that finally. But before we do that, we need to get to the news. CW has announced crossover dates. According to TVLine.com, this year's Arrowverse crossover featuring Supergirl, The Flash, and Arrow will air Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, December 9th through the 11th. So, uh, Morgan, this is a switch from the the time slots that they Hmm. normally have. Do you have a theory on why they've changed this up? Because Supergirl is supposed to be airing on Sundays, but this episode is going to be, uh, the part of the crossover is going to be on Tuesday. I think that means that, like, the most important part of the crossover is happening in Supergirl, (laughs) obviously, and it makes total sense. Supergirl is the big finale, I guess. I'm not saying Supergirl is the most important of that show, so I'm just saying, who's last? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go out with a bang. Um, my guess is that maybe it's related to the story content. So maybe like everything starts on the flash, like the, the, the more flash related content has to happen first because of what happens in the story. I don't know, but it is uh, very different that they would, uh, do this. So just FYI, Supergirl's part of the crossover is on Tuesday, December 11th at 8 p.m. In case you wanted to just tune into the, to, to the most important part, the, the Supergirl part. <laughs> Um, So that's exciting, though, uh, because we do have dates for the crossover. Speaking of this season's crossover, Entertainment Weekly has learned that Tyler Hecklin is set to reprise his role as Superman slash Clark Kent in this year's three-night crossover, which will mark Ruby Rose's debut as Batwoman, a.k.a. Kate Kane. Uh, He will appear in all three episodes, meaning fans will finally get to see him share the screen with Grant Gustin's Flash and Stephen Amell's Green Arrow. The CW will also be introducing Daily Planet reporter Lois Lane in the crossover. Yeah, Lois Lane. Uh, Lois has been described by Jessica Queller and Robert uh, Rofner as a dog-determined and brave reporter who will make for a strong partner to Superman and an amazing addition to our universe of DC characters. How hyped are we for Lois Lane? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time coming. She's been referenced uh, many times on Supergirl, so uh, we'll finally get to see her. I'm a little sad that we won't have Cat Grant in this one because I can't think of anything better than like a Lois Lane Cat Grant like 
passive aggressive digs at each other (laughs) kind of scene. (laughs) I I feel like like, that would be my favorite thing to watch. I think that is a missed opportunity. Um, But I've always uh, felt like Kat, even though she did make those digs at Lois, I always felt like deep down she really respected Lois Lane. I feel like maybe deep down they're, they're frenemies, but like they can't help it. They're like... Mm, is it those the shoes you're wearing like <laughs> like in, in in a situation they will come together and like work to the common good and they like respect each other but they also sort of don't like each other I think that would be really fun, like a really fun dynamic just a real friendly rivalry yes is, exactly is we're all is. friends here but also I kind of hate you <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I wish Kat and Lois um, but maybe that would uh, happen sometime in the future Maybe they could, they could still do it if they really wanted to. The door is always open. Yes, yes. Uh, so we will get to see uh, Superman and Lois Lane together in the crossover. Uh, I'm a little nervous uh, just because uh, I don't want people to badmouth Amy Adams' Lois Lane. I do have a fear of that because sometimes people do tend to compare these performances. I mean, Rebecca, you can't like something without not liking something else. That's, that's just science. I just have to come <laughs> to terms with that being a fact. Uh, if I like a thing, I must also hate another thing. <laughs> so, so I'm just saying, be cool, people. Just be cool. And also, Amy Adams is a treasure. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'm I'm excited. Uh, I think uh, Lois Lane could be a cool addition to the crossover. I'm very curious to see what she will be doing in the crossover and what part she will have to play. Uh, obviously doing something amazing uh, because Lois Lane is one of the best characters in the DC universe. So I'm very excited to see what they will do with her. Well, in addition to that casting uh, information and uh, new characters being added, season four of Supergirl is adding two characters associated with the Luthers. Deadline.com reports that Rona Mitra has been cast as Mercy Graves. Deadline describes Mercy as, quote, an ex-Cadmus agent who has always believed in human exceptionalism. But with both Lex and Lillian in prison, Mercy is stepping out of the Luther shadow and running her own show. With her biting wit and lethal brawn, Mercy steadily becomes a key figure in National City's growing human first movement, unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morgan, I know um, uh, I, I have not uh, been as excited about this, this uh, storyline that they might be uh, going with in season four. Uh, I'm a little nervous about it, but I'm super pumped about Mercy Grace. I will say, Mercy Graves is making me feel a little bit better about it, actually. Like... Just reading that, I'm like, I know that like some of this stuff is going to be clunky and make me feel weird, but Mercy Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way. I think that it seems like she'll be very Luther-like. Um, so I'm very excited to see uh, what she brings to the table in terms of the, the canvas of the show. Can you imagine like Mercy Graves visiting Lillian Luther in jail and like Lillian Luther's got like the Hannibal Lecter mask on or something? <laughs> like this is what I want from Supergirl. <laughs> She's in, Lillian Luther is in like that little magneto cell that's just like floating in the middle <laughs> of the air. <laughs> I want that so much now. Oh my gosh, I want Mercy Graves and Lillian Luther to interact. Uh, I hated the reminder, though, in the description that Lillian was in prison. Don't remind me about those things. Me too. I was like, oh, no. But I mean, I feel like maybe we'll get, we could get like a a little bit of a a sneak peek at what she's up to in prison. I feel like she's like probably doing something bad. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Um, So I'm I'm glad that even though Lex and Lillian are are not in uh, the story, that Mercy will uh, be stepping up and uh, and out of the Luther shadow and will be uh, maybe causing some problems. I I think she will be, she's definitely a character that I'm going to be watching out for in season four. That, That Mercy Graves casting news was the first time I got really, really excited about season four. So she's definitely a character that I'm keeping my eye on. Speaking of Mercy, um, actor Robert Baker will be playing Mercy's brother, Otis Graves, uh, who is described as Mercy's de facto right-hand man. What he lacks in brains, he makes up for with his savant-like abilities to assassinate aliens. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that that could be a savant-like ability you could have. It seems like a bad one. Mm, Well, uh, yeah, it seems like uh, maybe he won't be the smartest one in the room room but he he will be a threat to be uh reckoned with um 
Fans of the Superman lore will recognize the name of Otis from uh, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, played by Ned Beatty. Of course, he was very famous for pronouncing it Mr. Luthor. <laughs> um, even though Otis is more famous for the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, he also did make an appearance in the Smallville Season 11 comics as Lex Luthor's personal assistant. So he does have some comic book cred as well as the movies. And even more acting uh, and casting and a new character news, uh, Earth-38 has a new politician in the story. Uh, actor Bruce Boxleitner will be appearing in Supergirl Season 4 as Vice President Baker. The Vice President is described as, quote, adept and politically minded and unlikely leader who steps up in a big way when his country needs him most, unquote. Hmm. I'm a little concerned about this because what does that mean for President Marsden? I don't feel like it means anything good. <laughs> Maybe she's like, you know what? I'm going to go take um, a little bit of a break. I feel like I've I've earned this vacation. <laughs> um, I'll be back later. And then she like just like taps him on the back and then she leaves. Vice President Storm normally step up unless there's... That doesn't seem like a good sign for uh, our president in this universe. Um, but I'm excited about Bruce Fox Leitner. Um, I think he will be a good vice president. Uh, uh, let's just hope uh, good things for President Marsden in the, in the meantime. Good vibes only for President <laughs> Marsden. Uh, oh boy, we have more casting news. Um, so in even more casting news, actor... Anthony, oh boy. I think uh, it's Konechny. Konechny seems right. So Anthony Konechny will be joining season four in a reoccurring role as DEO agent Jensen, who is recruited by Alex Danvers and struggles to find his footing. So that'll be kind of fun, actually, to see Alex. Alex will be um, kind of mentoring somebody and Kara's kind of mentoring somebody this season. And one of those two people have uh, have earned the right to mentor somebody. So <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. They will be paralleled in terms of uh, what their characters seem to be doing. But I would agree that Alex seems like she could mentor a DEO agent who needs uh, some help. It just seems like, you know, she shows up for her job most of the time. So... <laughs> <laughs> yes, and she's she's uh, had her own problems and worked through them, and has become a better agent over the course of uh, these seasons. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what Alex uh, has to do with this uh, DEO agent Jensen and what he uh, brings to the table. If you are going to be in Los Angeles on Monday, October 1st and want to donate to Stand Up to Cancer, Melissa Benoist, Calista Flockhart, and Chris Wood are teaming up for an exclusive one-night-only reading of Terms of Endearment at the Geffen Playhouse. To purchase tickets, visit www.geffenplayhouse.org slash endearment. Oh, that's a good cast. I kind of want to go. Should we just book our airfare now? Should we just go? <laughs> I wish I could. This seems like a, a great way to spend an evening. When I first saw the um, the like announcement, I kind of, I, I skimmed it real quick. I thought it was New York and I was so excited for like half a second. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, oh, LA makes more sense. And also it crushes me. Bummer. Oh, man. That's, I mean, if you're in the LA area, though, that's going to be a good time. Yeah, I think that would be a really uh, fun uh, thing to go see because I think Melissa and Callista would play off each other very, very well. Because it's basically, that story is uh, basically the mother, uh, the story of a mother and a daughter who uh, butt heads a little bit. And I think they could pull it off really well. Yeah. And speaking of Melissa Benoist's acting abilities, we need to give a big congrats to uh, Melissa Benoist, who won the Teen Choice Award for Choice Action TV Actress. Yeah, that's awesome. She's my Choice Action TV Actress. I mean, always. I mean, I'm not a teen <laughs> anymore. But that's who I would have voted for if I uh, voted for those awards. So that's awesome. So I'm just glad to see her getting some more uh, accolades for her performance in Supergirl. And to wrap up all of this Supergirl no news, because we have so much, uh, Deadline.com reports that Warner Brothers and DC are developing a feature film based around Supergirl with Oren Uzio working on the script. And even though this probably has nothing to do with the CW Supergirl, uh, it is Supergirl news, and I figure we should just mention it um, because that is a huge deal that Supergirl will be getting a movie. I'm excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah, it uh, hopefully will do something a little bit different. I mean, it, it would be cool to see two different takes on the character and see kind of what other people do with her. Um, and how she fits into the DCEU. That's one of my favorite things about the fact that DC hasn't connected every single aspect of its <laughs> all of its properties is that you can get like different takes on the characters. And if you don't, 
if one's not your favorite, like, here you go. Here's a TV show or here's a movie that here's a different take. Yeah, I like that as well. I like getting to see um, other people and how they interpret the character and what they do with it, how they perform it. Um, So even if uh, this might not be most Benoist as Supergirl, um, which probably won't the way they've done things in the past. So we'll probably get a new su- Supergirl out of this. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what the casting is like on that one, too. We'll kind of keep our eye on this. Might not um, talk about it too much because it's not related to the TV show, um, but it is something to just know about. If you're a Supergirl fan, we'll be getting lots of Supergirl stuff um, in, in the coming uh, days, weeks, years uh, for this movie, whenever it uh, it, whenever it happens, I guess. So uh, just uh, know that there is a Supergirl movie in the works. All right, well, let's get uh, talking about the Supergirl TV series. Um, and so in the fourth season of Supergirl, James Olsen is going to be dealing with the fallout from his decision to unmask himself as Guardian. So we are going to use this episode of Supergirl Radio to learn more about the history behind the character of Guardian. Nice. The fact that James became a Guardian was a, a different take on the character. And uh, to start off, I guess we need to talk about the fact that there have been three Guardians. Um, b- well, before James became uh, Guardian. So I guess now we have four, technically, in terms of the history of the character. But in terms of the comics, there have been three Guardians. And uh, so we have James Jacob, uh, most commonly known as Jim Harper. So we'll talk about Jim Harper. We'll talk about Mal Duncan. And we'll also talk about Jake Jordan. Hmm. Uh, So those are our three Guardians from the comics. Um, The character of Guardian is most affiliated with uh, the Science Police, uh, Project Cadmus, Doom Patrol, the Teen Titans, All-Star Squadron, the Justice League, the Freedom Fighters, which uh, fans of the Arrowverse will recognize as the Rays team from Earth-X. And uh, uh, in the Arrowverse, uh, that team was actually led by Wynn Schott. Mm. So shout out to Wynn. Um, but uh, my favorite team that Guardian is affiliated with is the Newsboy Legion. And we'll talk about <laughs> we'll talk about this group when we get into Jim Harper's backstory. Um, but he has been associated with a lot of teams in DC Comics. So, uh, Jim Harper, uh, we'll start talking about him because he was the first Guardian. He was created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. His first appearance was in Star Spangled Comics number seven from April 1942. So, he is a very, very old character. If you Ah. think about the history of DC Comics, Superman was created in 1938. So, Guardian was one of the... uh, the early guys in there. Guardian's one of the OGs, right? Yeah. Like, he goes way back. Yeah, so uh, he has a tremendous history in DC Comics. Um, his notable relatives, Jim Harper, uh, is known for being the great uncle of Green Arrow sidekick Roy Harper, which uh, Arrow fans might recognize that name. Uh, he has some abilities, but you kind of have to look at it in terms of the original Jim Harper Guardian and also he has a clone, Morgan. This yes. is gonna, this is gonna get interesting. Clones, actually, clones. actually, there are lots of clones. So we're gonna talk about the clones. Um, I'm so excited. But yes, this is very interesting. Uh, so he has an original. Um, the original Jim Harper uh, was uh, very good in hand hand combat, and uh, he was a gymnast. He was very. Uh, it was an excellent gymnast. He would wear a golden helmet and carry a shield. Loving it. Uh, he drove a customized motorcycle and had a set of video cameras. Wait. He had a set of video cameras in 1942. Um, this is just the this is the this is the Jim Harper uh, character. So this spans oh, like okay. his. Okay, I was gonna be like, what if he was just like the person who came up with, with the video camera? I, I should have made that a little clearer. <laughs> that was not so understandable. Well, you know, there's a lot of time travel in these comics. <laughs> that's, that's that's true. So uh, this this is uh, more so the the later versions of uh, Jim Harper that he. Um, that he uh, would definitely ride uh, those motorcycle motorcycles. and like home movies. Yes, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. that that was part of his skill set. Um, the clone, though, actually had superpowers, increased <laughs> enhanced strength and reflexes, and had an accelerated healing factor. Um, and the clone, uh, which I think this is amazing, uh, the clone Jim Har- Harper had a vehicle called the Whiz Wagon. Oh, God. <laughs> and the Whiz Wagon is a flying car from New Genesis that seats five or more. So it's a pretty big, a pretty big vehicle. Nice. It was used by this group called the Forever People and later uh, by the Newsboy Legion. Um, so we'll, we'll, again, the Newsboy Legion, <laughs> my faves. 
We'll, we'll get to them, I promise. So um, we'll get to talking about uh, Jim Harper's backstory. Um, he is, like I said, a very old character. Um, I, I thought that we should maybe just go through the introduction uh, about what it says in his first issue. Um, this kind of sums up his uh, character uh, on the, the first, uh, in the first issue. It says, a wise judge once said, there is no such thing as a bad boy. We <laughs> believe he was right, and to skeptics we present a test case, the story of the Newsboy Legion. Off- Officer Jim Harper believed it too and set out to prove it by striving to reform the toughest, most troublesome kids in suicide slums. But to do so, he had to nip at the very roots of crime itself, garbed as the mysterious figure that trembling gangsters and admiring youngsters were soon to recognize as the Guardian. So I think that that really, that really sums up his story. Do you think that this season will get James, um, <laughs> like, reforming youngsters who are in, like, newsboy gangs? I don't want, like, normal gangs. I just want them all to be wearing newsboy hats and, like, maybe they throw newspapers at people and, like, that's part of their gang initiation. (laughs) Extra, extra! Extra, extra! When you hear that extra, extra, you have to, like, you run. I'll get to (laughs) my pitch for season four and how I see this fitting into James's character, but I like where you're going. We are are on the same path, I think. Um, But, yeah, so the newsboys, uh, the newsboy legion are a big part of uh, Jim Harper's uh, character when he is first introduced. And so the, the basic premise of the story, that that introduction sums it up pretty well. He's a, a young rookie police officer who decides to become a vigilante after he's beaten up by some, and this is what the issue, uh, how the issue refers to them as hoodlums and thugs. They beat him up. Uh, at that point, he's like, this is the last straw. I've had it with all this physical violence in the city. And um, he says that, you know, a guy can only take so much. So... After this incident, he, he's conveniently near, near a costume store, and it gives him this brilliant idea. And so he, I think, breaks into the store. He doesn't have a key, and it's sh- I mean, shut I down. just want to, I just want to put out that to stop crime, he he just did some crime. Yes, <laughs> he broke into a store that was not his. Um, you know, just to get that that's that sweet costume. So he puts together <laughs> a, a crash helmet, some clothes that will allow him plenty of freedom for movement. He picks up a shield and he uh, says that uh, he probably looks like a comic magazine superhero out to grab crime by the horn. So he's very meta about this. He knows what he's doing. And uh, he finds the guy, uh, the guys who beat him up. And then he beats them up in a pool parlor. So I don't feel like his... Uh, his uh, morals are really um, consistent here. <laughs> not, 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 uh, not well developed yet. No, no, no. He's got, he's got to get there. Um, so it turns out that these guys are part of this uh, kidnapping uh, organization called the Johnson Ransom Money Kidnappers, which I feel really offended that they used my name in that. Um, <laughs> I'm not a part of the Johnson Ransom Money Kidnappers. Rebecca, I have always known that you have some sort of shady past. Well, uh, I do not. I disavow these people. <laughs> I'm not a part of this group. Um, but uh, Jim, Har- Jim Harper tells uh, these these bad guys that he's, he's a, quote, guardian of society. So that is uh, part of why he is named the guardian. Um, so it it is a pretty funny the the his first interaction is basically built out of the idea that he was beaten up then he decides to take a little bit of revenge goes out and beats up these guys who end up being bad guys but you know maybe uh work out what you're what you're doing there jim uh so um also in star spangled comics number seven jim harper stops a group of newsboys from robbing a hardware store and when a judge this judge named judge calling wants to commit them to an institute until they are 21 years old which seems like a really severe uh consequence for this this one action um jim steps in to defend them saying that they are good kids whose parents are dead and that they've had to fight and steal their way through life to avoid starving and he makes the case uh this is what he says, uh, uh, by sending them to reform school with tougher criminals will only result in hardening their bitter souls. And uh, touched by the younger officer's stirring plea, Judge Calling releases the boys into his care. So Jim basically adopts these uh, these kids who have committed this crime, and he's trying to reform them. Um, so he uh, ends up becoming a guardian 
for Ooh, these kids. Ooh, snap. Yes. There are layers. <laughs> <laughs> so the guardian part of his character is, is based upon the fact that he is a guardian to society from criminals and crime, but he's also an actual legal guardian to these, these, uh, these newsboy kids who uh, need some help. Um, but you would think that these uh, boys would be appreciative that Jim stood up for them and saved them from a, a really harsh punishment. I mean, you would think. I would be very grateful for that. I would say thank you. Yes, but they actually don't want anything to do with him at first, and they're they're still kind of going on, carrying out their their criminal ways. And they only start start to warm up to him when they notice that he uh, he held his fire during a crowded skirmish. So when he's a police officer, there's a big crowd that uh, goes out of control, and he doesn't he doesn't fire on the crowd, and he uh, doesn't want to hurt innocent bystanders. So that kind of warms them up to him as a as a good guy. Maybe they could rely on. And so after this this whole incident, uh, Jim Harper realizes that. Uh, you know, when he's being police officer Jim, he's being held back. He's got to deal with the laws and the legal system. But as Guardian, he can just go after the bad guys without being hampered by the law. So Guardian teams up with these newsboys to go after this guy named Frankie, um, who actually screwed the boys over in this deal. They were trying to make money, and uh, he screwed them over. So um, there's a big showdown inside of a lighthouse with Frankie's boss, this guy named Chips Carter, and uh, Guardian and the Newsboys and the Coast Guard actually comes in to help save the day. They all successfully take down the mob. And this first in- issue ends with the Newsboys thinking that Guardian and Jim Harper might have a similar bruise in the same place. And mm-hmm. they decide they're going to keep their tabs on him and uh, check out this Guardian guy. So that's kind of a recurring theme in the Guardian Newsboy Legion stories that they sort of suspect that Jim Harper is Guardian and uh, they're not really sure, but they, they think that they have his uh, secret identity figured out. Um, so uh, as we carry on, um, just to give some more uh, backstory into the Newsboy Legion, in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number 135 from January 1971, the Newsboy Legion become the heads of Project Cadmus, which is beneficial to Jim because they save his life when he needs his mind transferred into a younger clone of himself. Aw, yes! <laughs> so this is where the clone comes in. He has an incident that needs uh, needs uh, correcting, and his mind is transferred into a clone of him. And the clone serves as Project Cadmus's head of security and takes on the mantle of Golden Guardian. So if you ever hear anybody talk about Golden Guardian, this is the uh, the post-crisis continuity, and um, this is the clone of Jim Harper. Um, And also, in addition to this clone, there are also other clones. Uh, Cadmus made some other Jim Harper clones. Uh, One was named Auron, who was created from the original Jim Harper. And then there was another one named Adam, who was a combination of the body of the clone Jim Harper and the mind of a character named Dubalex. So if you can keep that straight... That's what happens. So there's a lot of clones in the Jim Harper backstory. And that's what I think is so interesting about this version of Guardian is that he's got a lot of clones. I love the clones. The clones were very unexpected to me when I was doing research on Guardian. Uh, I was like, what is this? So two things to take away, I think, mainly from Jim Harper is clones and the Newsboy Legion. The Uh, Newsboy Legion, I'm very excited about. Yes, (laughs) because these are a little ragtag group of kids uh, criminal kids who get reformed and uh, they uh, help Jim in his uh, guardian pursuits. So um, there is a little bit of a complication in the Jim Harper clone guardian backstory. So in the post-Infinite Crisis continuity, the clone backstory of Guardian was retconned because uh, comics like to change things when they don't like uh, what has been written previously. So it was explained that Jim Harper was not killed in the line of duty, but was actually shot by Cadmus's first head of security, this character named Jonathan Drew, when he discovered that the clone was already being created. So this clone considers the original Jim Harper his father because it helps him to connect to his, his humanity, which is something he struggles with. And uh, so the clone's first memory is of the death of his father. Oh, there's a little great uh, a story, uh, Adventure Comics uh, special number one, where um, this this clone is actually talking to Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen comes by and sort of has an interview with him, and it's actually very deep and meaningful. And the idea that he would consider, you know, the original his father, I just, I was I thought that was pretty compelling uh, when I was reading it. So uh, there's a little depth to the clone. It's not just a silly. 
um, silly clone story. There's there's some depth going on with that character. Yeah, that's interesting. So in this Adventure Comics uh, special number one, it turns out that there's a whole bunch of Jim Harper clones. Like they they went crazy. They uh, uh, stashed them up. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Jim Harbor clones. And during the new Krypton storyline, which Supergirl actually plays a big part of, uh, the original clone went and uh, moved to Metropolis, where he lived with his adopted daughter named Gwendolyn or Gwen. And in this great soap opera-esque plot twist, Gwen is revealed as an adolescent female clone of Jim Harper that the Jim Harper clone rescued after finding out that there were a whole bunch of clones at Cadmus. And... The devastating thing is that he kills, he goes in and kills <gasps> all the clones, but her. He saves her because he, he, he feels he feel, he feels compelled to save just this one. So his daughter. So it's it's a weird kind of family tree. So like my daughter and myself. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, so the original. So the clone considers the original Jim Harper his father, but then he also considers a clone his daughter. It's very strange. It's a lot to keep up with, uh, but I, I think that's a very interesting take on the Jim Harper clone story. Fascinating and confusing. Yes, it's so confusing. So if you can keep that straight, basically the, the, the thing to know about Jim Harper in terms of the clones, there are a lot of clones. They made a lot of clones, um, and uh, one of them was a little girl named Gwen. So that kind of, I think, sums up the Jim Harper Guardian um, in a a few minutes' time. So the next one we are going to talk about is Mal Duncan. So this is another take on Guardian. It's a very different take on Guardian. This uh, version won't have a lot of similarities with the other two, uh, but it should be mentioned that he, he does have some Guardian in him. So Mal Duncan's first appearance was... In Teen Titans number 26 from 1970, he was created by Robert Knier and Nick Carty. He is affiliated with the Doom Patrol and the Teen Titans. And in addition to being known as Guardian, he's also gone by the names Hornblower, The Herald, and Vox. And Hmm. uh, we'll talk about uh, each one of those and why he (laughs) is maybe known as those. I'm not convinced that hornblower is a great name (laughs) you know what that's my favorite of them (laughs) i just feel like they're like oh my god (laughs) like that the criminals are running down the like the dark alley and all you hear is and they're like oh my god uh hornblower i guess watch out (laughs) he's got a horn It it functions to say what he is and what he does, I guess. So I guess you just keep it simple. He's a guy who blows blows a horn, so he's the horn blower. Uh, but it just doesn't seem like that creative of a name. Uh, but that is one of his aliases. Um, so Mal Duncan is also very skilled uh, in hand-to-hand combat and a kickboxer. So he does have that in common with Jim Harbour. He's in exceptional physical condition. So good for him. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> he's been working on his fitness. He's been working on that fitness. Um, he also, this is very important for the Mal Duncan character. He has artificial lungs and a voice box that grants him hypersound control and manipulation, hypersonic blasts, bursts, and waves. And he uses a horn that creates interdimensional rifts, portals, vortexes, and wormholes in between space and time. So that's a pretty useful horn. (laughs) Yeah. So this is the big thing about the uh, the hornblower there uh, and the herald, uh, as also he is known by. Uh, So he does have a sweet horn that gives him some cool Mm -hmm. uh, abilities. (laughs) That's exactly what it sounds like. Um, so I could not f- actually get a hold of Mal Duncan's backstory comic issue, so I'm having to rely on the internet. So um, uh, hopefully this is correct. But in Teen Titans number 26, uh, basically the story is after training in Mr. Jupiter's survival course, which I want to know more about that. <laughs> uh, uh, the former Titans are assigned to a field exercise and to survive in something called Hell's Corner, a tough inner city neighborhood with only a penny apiece to their names. That is not enough money. No, that seems like they, they might need to... Uh... Like, at that point, why not just give them nothing? Like, the penny is <laughs> is actually an insult. What can you get with a penny? You can only give a penny and then take a penny. Like you, you can't you can't do anything with it. So these kids not having a great time. But menaced by the Hell's Hawk Street Gang, which sounds like a really terrible gang, 
Don't it go. does sound scarier than the newsboy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's yes. for sure. Um, and unable to fight back without abandoning their new pacifist beliefs, the Teen Titans are rescued by the intervention of Mal. Um, and taking jobs in Hell's Corner, the Teen Titans encounter Mal again at an amateur boxing event where he is matched against Stormtrooper, leader of the Hell's Hawks, and he wins. Mal is recruited by the Titans and joins Mr. Jupiter's program, but feeling unworthy, he tries to prove himself by stowing away uh, aboard an experimental rocket flight oh okay <laughs> this seems like a real risk <laughs> listen we all we all feel self-conscious sometimes <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you should just stow away on a rocket <laughs> i mean that seems uh intense and excessive like, like t- take a take a trip to the bahamas maybe <laughs> <laughs> eat pray love around italy don't don't go on a rocket <laughs> <laughs> so so in Teen Titans number 27, the other Titans uh, undertake a space flight to retrieve Mount. <laughs> Whoops, we lost him. This seems kind of counterproductive. He goes into the experimental rocket flight to prove himself to the Titans, and the Titans are like, ugh, we got to go and get him. Mal again. <laughs> While Dove of the Teen Titans circles in the command module, Speedy Hawk and Wonder Girl discover the equipment left behind uh, on the Apollo 11 flight missing from the moon, and... Uh, Kid Flash and Lilith, uh, I guess, is a character. I don't know much about Lilith. Uh, they rendezvous with Mal in the Venus probe after making friendly contact with telepathic aliens uh, who have moved the lunar souvenirs. The Titans on the moon are rejoined by their teammates who have recovered Mal. So they, I guess they go back, they do a bunch of stuff, and they go back and they <laughs> rescue Mal. So they've found him <laughs> in the space situation, <laughs> and they get him back. Wait, the last sentence of this is my favorite. The Titans overcome hallucinations caused by a malfunctioning oxygen intake system and returned to Earth. I hope that was most of the issue. It's just them like tripping and like talking to the wall. So I just, I feel like Mal maybe caused more of a problem for the Titans than he did to help them in his uh, first couple of appearances there. Um, but yeah, that does seem like a crazy read. So um, if you ever get a chance to check that out, that is Teen Titans number 26 and 27. Um, I also found some information uh, that said that uh, eventually in his um, his comic book history, Mal discovers a strength-enhancing a strength-enhancing exoskeleton in the costume of the Guardian. So I guess he just comes across the Guardian costume. And using these, he becomes the second guardian. So he is taking up the mantle from Jim Harper. Uh, in Teen Titans number 45 from December 1976, Mal as guardian fights Azrael, the angel of death, believing it to be, be a hallucination, which seems to be a common thread. Man, this guy is hallucinating quite a bit. Yes, there's a <laughs> lot of hallucinations with Mal Duncan's I mean, story. I, I get it. It was the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, believing this fight between him and Azrael to be a hallucination, Mal is surprised to be awakened with the mystical Gabriel's horn, which is very much tied to Mal Duncan's character. Um, having defeated Azrael, Mal is permitted to live, provided he never loses another fight, which I guess makes sense. Like, you're gonna lose if uh, you're gonna live if you win the fights. If you don't win the fights, you're maybe gonna die. Not going so well. But the horn, Gabriel's horn, grants Mal unspecified powers whenever the odds are against him in battle. And armed with the horn, Mal assumes the name Hornblower. So that's where the, the Hornblower part of his name yeah. comes in, is that when he initially gets the Gabriel's horn, he becomes Hornblower. Uh, somewhere in his history after this, following Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, Mal never took on the identity of Guardian, and Gabriel's horn has a different origin. So this is a little bit take a little bit different take on uh, the Guardian part of his history and Gabriel's horn. When uh, Mal finds plans for a high-tech horn that can create spatial warps, he builds the horn and assumes the identity of Harold. So that's where the Harold name comes into play. Hmm. To me, I think Harold is a better name than Hornblower. That's just my personal taste. Definitely. It, it like goes off the tongue a little easier. <laughs> yeah. It's not <laughs> as uh, on the nose. I think there's a little subtlety with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, later during the one year uh, later storyline, Mal goes by the name, the code name Vox. So this is where his third alias comes in uh, <laughs> because he speaks with a syn- synthesized voice box, which can create unusually strong hypersonic blasts and open dimensional porter- portals 
wormholes and vortexes similar to the Gabriel Horn. So it's kind of similar, but this time he around he's using a synthesized voice box, which I guess is where the Vox part of the name comes in. I guess they combined uh, voice and, and box. box. <laughs> uh, so again, a little on the nose. Uh, but that is where, if you see Mal Duncan and Vox, that's where that comes into play. So that's basically Mal Duncan's history. He uh, did some crazy things with the Titans, went up into space, caused a bunch of trouble, had some hallucinations, <laughs> got uh, this thing called the Gabriel Horn. Got a horn, lost a horn, made a horn, <laughs> got a voice box. <laughs> that's That really sums it up for Mal Duncan. He's a, a more unique take on Guardian uh, than these other two. So it's just to wrap up our Guardian uh, character history. The third Guardian that we're going to talk about is Jake Jordan. His uh, first appearance was in the Manhattan Guardian number one from 2005. He was created by Grant Morrison and Cameron Stewart. And uh, this uh, take on Guardian, uh, in Jake Jordan's first appearance, uh, which is part of Grant Morrison's Seven Soldiers, like there's a mega series, like it's a huge uh, series that uh, delves into the history and, and uh uh, storylines of other characters so guardian is just one of them uh so uh in this mega series he is a disgraced former police officer so he is a police officer sort of like jim harper who left the force after killing a boy he thought was a drug dealer who had killed his partner but really this uh this boy was a 13 year old who was picking up red onions for his grandmother so this was a mistake on his part uh, so he feels horrible about it, and so he quits the police force. And when he is without a job, he applies for a position at the Manhattan Guardian, which is a newsp- newspaper that lets its readers be the reporters. Um, and it's it's very weird, Morgan, if you read it, like when the Guardian is out like fighting crime, he's like, but I'm with the press. I have questions. It's very strange. <laughs> it sounds amazing. It's very, very weird. I mean, I feel like that's that's something that we can, uh, we can wrap into the James character he can like as he's fighting he can like pull out a camera and like take a picture yeah and be like I I have all these questions Uh, could we sit down for an interview you're on the record (laughs) (laughs) Um, and they have dozens of reporters on call and known as the newsboy army so this is very similar to the newsboy legion but this time around they are an army uh so uh that is very exciting that they get um not only are the kind of the newsboy uh groups known associated with jim harper they are also associated with uh jake jordan so the manhattan guardian um this newspaper needs a new gimmick to sell papers and since it bought the Guardian trademark off an R&D division <laughs> called The Project, which is an Easter egg referring to the clone program in the Jim Harper era, um, the owner, Ed Stargard, is able to offer Jake the chance to be a superhero slash reporter known <laughs> as the Manhattan Guardian. Um, this, I think, is really weird that they would uh, would do this. But I guess if you're not selling those papers. Listen, print media is dying. And we just. <laughs> they're like, this, this gimmick is going to work. We're just going to have somebody go out and vigilante fight crime. Don't No, don't think about the legal implications. <laughs> and then while he's doing it. Just like a question or two about like what's going on in City Hall. <laughs> I, I guess their their thought process was, you know, maybe the Daily Planet sort of has an association with Superman. Uh, maybe that's something that helps the Daily Planet sell papers. So maybe they were just they were trying something new. Um, and so this is their their new uh, approach to to selling their issues. Uh, so they put a whole, you know, job advertisement uh, in the paper. And I actually think it's cool if you actually see the image of the advertisement. It actually has uh, this this guy kind of in silhouette with what looks like a helmet <laughs> and a shield. So it's a it's a cool nod. Could this be you? Yes. Uh, <laughs> a nod to the Guardian look. And uh, I also think it's cool that the Manhattan Guardian building it actually has a shield on the, the, the outside of the building and the exterior of the building. Um, what I think is really amazing about this uh, kind of first introduction to Jake Do- Jordan and the actual Manhattan Guardian is that they really put him through the ringer. His interview process is going into the building and he has to fight a bunch of people. He also, ha- he also has to fight a monster, basically, um, and that's his interview. If he gets up to the floor where the, the main guy is, 
he's got the job. That's how he gets the job of <laughs> um, of the Manhattan Guardian. Only two of the applicants got as far as the fourth floor. The bullets that were used were fake, but the rest of the fight was real. And it turns out that the salary for this job is $5,000 a week plus benefits. Ooh. So I guess when you Hello. when you don't have a job, that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good uh, salary take there. Um, you might have yeah, to, that's not bad at all. <laughs> you might have to fight some people uh, and put sure, your you, you're gonna have to fight a monster or two. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to put your life on the line for this paper, but I mean it's got benefits. Um, and what I think is cool about this iteration of the Guardian is that the newsboy army does show up when Guardian needs assistance out in the field. So if he needs something while he's out there. They do. There are these little kids who, who run around <laughs> and they help him out. They've got little membership cards so he knows they're legit. They're not just some <laughs> random street kid. They are part of this newsboy, newsboy army. So they help him uh, on the field when he needs them. So I, I actually, to be honest, Morgan, Jake Jordan, this version is my favorite guardian. I like this version just because I don't understand anything that's happening in this story. <laughs> and yet it's so delightful. Like that they are just like a roving uh, band of children <laughs> who deliver newspapers and also help a vigilante out occasionally. It just seems like a really good, I mean... Has print media thought about this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're having some problems. This could be the solution. I would buy that paper. I would too. I totally would buy that paper. He would have some great interviews. Yes. <laughs> so um, I, I think this is a, a neat take on the, the Guardian. There's actually a crazy twist that I, I kind of don't want to get into because I don't want to spoil people. But if you kind of stick with it, there's four issues that are basically the Manhattan Guardian in this uh, this big mega series. And there's a twist at the end with the uh, the main guy who hires him at the paper and uh, Ed Stargard. Uh, there is a um, there's a twist with him that I don't want to give away, but it's so good because it it um, it connects back to the Newsboy Army and the Newsboy Legion. So um, I highly recommend. That's the one I think I would recommend the most is uh, Grant Morrison's The Manhattan Guardian. I enjoyed that tremendously. Um, and and just a brief uh, appearance that we probably should mention uh, because this is related to Supergirl. Jake Jordan, this version of The Guardian, is uh, he makes a, a very, very quick brief appearance i don't i don't know if i would recommend to buy it just for this because it is very very brief um but if you are a jake jordan fan and you're a supergirl fan it might be worth checking out uh, but he does team up with supergirl in an issue of batman the devastator number one so it's cool to see jake jordan there with supergirl um so that is kind of the uh history behind the jake jordan version of the character. So that leads us to television. So on the Teen Titans animated series, uh, voice actor Greg Sipes uh, voiced a character named Private Hive. Um, in this show, Private Hive is a student of the Hive Academy. Uh, makes sense. And is a member of the <laughs> Fearsome Five. Some believe this to be a teenage version of Guardian because this costume design um, had a shield. I think that that seems like a stretch. I think so, too. I'm not buying this as a version of Guardian. Listen, like a lot of people have shields. Yes. I mean, anybody could just put it. It's kind of a thing with superheroes. Yeah. (laughs) Anybody could have a shield. Doesn't mean they're Guardian. But I just thought we maybe should mention that because it is uh, mentioned in the Guardian Wikipedia page. So this is one of those uh, things where I wouldn't trust Wikipedia over uh, I'm not. I'm not buying it. Wikipedia. You could try to sell it as much as you want, but I'm. I'm not buying this version uh, as Guardian. But uh, some people do consider it to be one. Um, and Greg Sipes, if that name seems familiar, he is also the voice of Beast Boy on Teen Titans Go and DC Superhero Girls. So um, that's worth checking out, just because Greg Sipes is a great voice actor. Uh, but a more recognizable and believable version of Guardian actually appears in the Young Justice animated series. This Guardian is Mal Duncan and is a former classmate of Superboy and Miss Martian at Happy Harbor High School, which if you're a Snapper Car aficionado, you would know that that is where Snapper Car is from. So it gives... Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, Mal Duncan is also romantically involved with Karen Beecher, a.k.a. Bumblebee. And he once dressed as Superman for a Halloween party. So there's a little fun fact mm. about Mal Duncan in um, Young Justice. And I think this young, this uh, this version of Guardian is actually a really cool version of Guardian. He looks just like Guardian should look. He's got the helmet. He's got a little bit of a shield on his arm. Um, he's got the blue and the gold. So I actually like this, uh, this interpretation of the costume. It's one of the better looking Guardians um, that I've seen. Um, also, we should mention that there is another Mal Duncan in the animated uh, DC world. In the episode uh, Calling All Titans, uh, Mal Duncan is known as Harold or Hornblower, who has a mystic horn of Gabriel that uses uh, that he uses to open portals. So Mal Duncan on Young Justice is more of the traditional guardian. And on Teen Titans, he is actually the Harold slash Hornblower guardian. Uh, Gabriel Horn using uh, version of Mal Duncan, so we 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 get two different uh, the two different takes on Mal Duncan. Which Guardian do you like better? Like that's <laughs> take your pick. Yeah, Horn or no Horn. <laughs> so it's cool that in animation he gets uh, screen time as as two the two different kind of takes on Guardian that he represents in the comics. So uh, you can get to see him those two ways if uh, you're curious about it. On the big screen, actor Christopher Maloney played a character in Man of Steel named Colonel Nathan Hardy, um, who's an officer in the United States Air Force and responds to the code name Guardian. Yeah, he's not officially Guardian, I guess, but he does when his helicopter goes down in the, the fight in Smallville. It's like... Fallen Angel, Fallen Angel, Guardian is down. I repeat, Guardian is down. So um, some people do uh, recognize this as a version of Guardian. He's like Guardian adjacent. He does respond to the code name, so um, I, I count him. Uh, so in uh, live action television, um, he does get a, a, there is a version of Mal Duncan that gets mentioned on the Flash on the CW. Uh, so in the Flash episode, uh, the nuclear man, Barry Allen, states that he is playing in a, at an underground uh, jazz club in Central City that night. Probably with his horn. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so uh, Mal Duncan does get a mention on The Flash. And on Supergirl, uh, before James Olsen took on the mantle of Guardian, a James Harper, played by actor Eddie McClintock, appeared on the CW Supergirl in the season one episode titled Manhunter. Uh, of course, in this episode, this incarnation of the character is a colonel in the United States Marine Corps who helps uh, Lucy Lane investigate the disappearance of Hank Henshaw. Colonel Harper tries to take both Martian Manhunter and Alex Danvers to be experimented on at Project Cadmus, but by the end of the episode, Martian Manhunter wipes James Harper's memory. So actually, mm. even even just talking about that, there's a lot of stuff that connects back to the Jim Harper version of the character. Um, we have him uh, associated with Project Cadmus. Um, this uh, The Colonel uh, aspect of him connects back to uh, the Man of Steel Guardian. Um, so there is some stuff there um, that uh, kind of ties back into his history. So I, I, I like that. So we did get to see a Guardian, or a Jim Harper, I should say, who uh, was already on Supergirl before James even took the mantle. Interesting. I did not realize that. I have to rewatch season one. That's actually a really good episode. Manhunter is uh, kind of how Jer back when Jeremiah Danvers was present on the oh, show. Oh, Jeremiah Danvers. <laughs> back when people were air quotes looking for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the episode where Jeremiah Danvers meets uh, Jean for the first time as Martian Manhunter. So all of that leads us to Makad Brooks' James Olsen as Guardian on Supergirl. Uh, this version of James Olsen is the son of a soldier who died during Operation Desert Storm. After the camera his father gave him was destroyed, James teamed up with Windshot to go out and protect National City as Guardian. Yeah, that was the uh, big backstory that his uh, father's camera uh, got destroyed and he decided to be a vigilante. Which I guess is no crazier than Jim Harper's original backstory where he got beat up and then he was like, I'm going to break into a store and steal a costume. I got mugged and I see a pretty snazzy hat over there. So <laughs> <laughs> clearly what I meant to be doing. <laughs> so I, I feel like now knowing uh, Jim Harper's uh, backstory and the original creation of The Guardian, I think it's, uh, it seems fair it enough. Seems, seems fair enough. Um, so we sort of briefly mentioned maybe how, you know, 
uh, in the future moving forward with James because he, he, I, I don't know what we're going to see of Guardian as much in season four because now he's kind of outed himself as Guardian. So I, I'm curious to see what that's going to do for him in the future uh, because that might be a, like present an ethical dilemma for James, where he's <laughs> running this newspaper, the, the, this newspaper slash radio slash magazine corporation slash whatever Catco is, whatever they want to do that day, whatever form <laughs> of media they take, whatever they feel is right in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so he's running this organization that reports on the news, but he's also uh, an, an out vigilante. Uh, so how does he deal with that? Um, so Morgan, what, I'm curious now that you kind of know this uh, this run through of the Guardian comic book history and even the animated stuff. What do you think that that maybe you know? Give me your pitch on what they could do with James as Guardian. I mean, there's so I feel like there's so much that they can take from this backstory. I feel like first first and foremost, James needs to start learning how to play some sort of horn. Mm. I think that I think that's important for his character development. <laughs> um, I also think that he needs a um, a just a group of they don't have to be children, but it would be creepier if they were <laughs> that, uh, that all wear newsboy caps and like run to his rescue. If he needs their help, um, maybe he has like a bat signal, but it's just like a horn in the sky or something. <laughs> and then, the, and then the newsboys are like, let's go extra, extra. And then they all <laughs> jump on their little bicycles and then they, they pedal. Listen, they're not always going to make it to the scene of the crime <laughs> because you know, you can't, pedal that hard but they've got a lot of moxie well all right here's the thing i also think that james needs a newsboy legion i mean clearly i think that that is something that could easily be worked into the story into the story into the show's canvas because uh james works at a news media empire so i think you could uh maybe take some interns and turn them into a newsboy legion uh i think that that would be awesome uh that's actually something that i would love the show to do if they did that and in terms of them getting around the newsboy legion could just take that van that when used to use and i th- i would suggest turning that old van into the whiz wagon oh my god <laughs> make that the whiz wagon and have that be how they uh transport themselves that is perfect and i also like your idea of the horn uh, he could have you know maybe somebody could gift him uh, Gabriel's horn. Maybe he could find it on some alien world or something. I don't know. Um, and that can maybe be how they also. I mean, Supergirl's Kara has that uh, device that allows her to travel in between worlds. But maybe James could have uh, a thing to you know transport through wormholes and, and things of that nature. Uh, you could get James doing some more space related things that way. Maybe that's how he goes to visit Win. He like he learns how to play the horn, and then he's like, and then he pops through like a hole in the universe, and he hangs out with Win. They like play fantasy football, and then he like comes back. I love that idea. That would be a great way to get him into the future. Um, because if he doesn't have a Legion ring, he could just uh, go visit his pal Wynn that way. I love that. Listen, I think what we need is we need a Newsboy Legion, and we need the horn in some capacity. <laughs> I think these are great ideas. And, and definitely a whiz wagon. <laughs> definitely a whiz wagon. <laughs> so um, I, I just would encourage the show. Hopefully they will um, uh, understand that the Guardian history has uh, very vast very um, uh, crazy story that they can take from. I don't know if they'll go the clone route. I guess, I suppose they could at some point. They could make a whole bunch of James clones uh, if they wanted to go the clone route. Listen, I'm never going to turn down a clone. No, clones are very interesting. Uh, and I think you could you could tell a lot of story with those. Uh, but I think uh, the Newsboy Legion or the Newsboy Army, if you want to go that route, um, and the Horn, I think you could easily work into the show. So we're just pitching out some some stories uh, that maybe you could work with if you want to. But uh, I I think um, you know it will be interesting to see what they do with Guardian in season four because I think there is a lot of meaty things that they could do in terms of you know his. His uh, his putting himself out there as this superhero vigilante and what that does, because it sort of um, parallels Kara a little bit that she works for this news organization, but nobody knows that she's Supergirl. Well, 
nobody, I say that in quotes, nobody knows she, she is Supergirl. <laughs> so this is sort of maybe like a, a, a prototype to show what it would be like if Supergirl did come out and say, hey, I work at CatCo and my name is Cara Danvers. Um, so that I think will be interesting to see. So maybe even if we didn't do the Guardian Spotlight previously when James became Guardian, uh, maybe this is more of an appropriate way to do it because it, this is another season four should be another big momentous uh, event in guard in James's guardian history. Um, so that is going to do it for our look into the history. But I thought it might be fun if we had some guardian related snap judgments. Yeah. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So, okay, Morgan, um, here's the first one. Uh, the Newsboy Legion or the musical Newsies? Oh, God. Um, hmm. So that's a difficult one <laughs> because I do love a good Newsboy hat and they both have that. But I'm going to go Newsboy Legion because I feel like newsboys fighting crime is like a genre I didn't realize I needed in my life. <laughs> but boy, do I. <laughs> I mean, the Newsies in Newsies sort of take on the establishment, I guess. That's true. And in some ways, they are they are fighting against something. They're fighting the power. Yeah. But I do love the Newsboy Legion, so I think I'm going to go Newsboy Legion. Okay, so better name for Mal Duncan's version of Guardian. Do you like Harold or do you like Hornblower better? You know what? I got to go Hornblower. <laughs> like, just just tell me what you do. Tell me who you are. <laughs> it's really simple, straight to the point. Why hide it? Why subtlety? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go Harold. I think that's a snazzier, uh, more sophisticated name. Uh, so I like Harold better. Um, who has the uh, more extra, uh, more intriguing backstory? The Golden Guardian clone of Jim Harper or the Manhattan Guardian, uh, the former police officer turned uh, tabloid sponsored hero? Hmm. I got to go the Manhattan Guardian because I just I really do feel like maybe we should pitch this to like some of the some print outlets. Have you considered going into the vigilante game? Yeah, <laughs> I, I personally do. Uh, I, I did really like the Manhattan Guardian. So I would even though I do love a good clone story, I, I would pick the Manhattan Guardian on this one. OK, so the most important uh, snap judgment of this episode, the whiz wagon or the Shaggin' Wagon from the movie Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, this is a really tough one because, boy, the Shaggin' Wagon is cool. <laughs> uh, but I got to go Whiz Wagon because I just feel like it's the perfect name for any car of any kind. <laughs> That's interesting that you went Whiz Wagon. Although I do like the the, the Whiz Wagon and the, the, the relation to the Newsboy Legion. I'm going to go shagging wagon on this one. I think that's fair. It's a big van in the shape of a dog. I mean, it's hard It's hard to argue with that. And, <laughs> and the shagging wagon just kind of rolls off the tongue. It has a little bit of a rhyme there. Uh, and it's also one of my, uh, Dumb and Dumber is one of my favorite all-time comedies. So I'm going to go shagging wagon on this one. No judgments on your snap judgments. So thank you for playing those. Uh, <laughs> that was amazing. Guardian-related snap judgments. So that is going to do it for our character spotlight on Guardian. Though it was late, uh, I'm glad we got to it. Uh, so if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. Uh, we are on uh, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the CW Supergirl TV series. Uh, we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We're also available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. 
And if you need any of these links, I know that's a lot of information. You can uh, just go to supergirlradio.com and you can find everything there on the right side of the page. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, and classic DC TV shows, you can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. Oh, and Morgan. Uh Uh-oh. We added added a new a new podcast to the network no. uh, yes so now uh, now we should add batwoman to that list uh because we do we do have a bat batwoman podcast uh which you can find at bat, batwomanpodcast.com you can also find uh batwoman podcast on facebook and twitter at batwoman podcast so go uh like and follow in those places so uh and also we do have some uh we've added some batwoman merch to the dctv podcast t public store so if you Ooh. are interested in that we've got some stuff there so if you uh want to check out our t public store you can go to supergirlradio.com and there is a link to the store at the top of the page so you can go get your uh, batwoman uh merch uh to show that you're excited about the batwoman podcast so uh sorry to have to add that to the list but it should it's, be it's very fine. exciting <laughs> Uh, I did notice that a lot of people uh, came to your, had some sympathy uh, for you um, when this was announced. I like that a lot of people, like when they announce new shows, they're like, oh my God, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) And the answer is no, I'm not okay. need to stop making these shows. (laughs) Just, 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 just pause for a second and think, Morgan only has so much room in her lungs for breath. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the Batwoman podcast is uh, is very exciting because we have some new podcasters to the network. So everybody should uh, go follow and uh, like pages. Yes, very exciting. So uh, if you want to follow me personally, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid. And I'm on Instagram at The Derby Kid. If you're interested in Dragon Con stuff, I just posted a whole bunch of stuff from Dragon Con. So... You can check that there, and you can also watch videos of mine over at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I'm also a contributor to JL Podcast, which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. You're going to want to subscribe because uh, Sam and I just talked about the Lois and Martha scene from Justice League. You're going to want to listen to that one because uh, it gets a little fiery. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so definitely um, check out JLU Podcast, and we also have... Uh, Wonder Woman sort of retrospective episode coming up. So that'll be exciting. And if you want to hear me attempt some voice acting, you can subscribe to a sketch comedy podcast that I am a part of called The Fakest. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-S-T-I-C. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast where we are currently planning what's going to be some of our episodes leading up before the show starts up again so we've got some ideas but we haven't executed on them yet (laughs) because we're just you know we're just trying to settle in and like just like let it speak to us i mean you've got time (laughs) we've got some time (laughs) um and then you can also i've also done a couple of voices for the fakest so you should check that out it is a hilarious show and uh very strange, and I like it a lot. All right. Well, until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Lennon. And we know that James Olsen can be a hero without the suit, but man, that Guardian Shield is a sweet bonus. <laughs> <laughs>